The Holy Gospel according to, the, to Luke, the second chapter. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. <clears throat> and they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. <clears throat> Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, <clears throat> Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revela revelation to the Gentiles, for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in, Jerusalem, in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town in Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good morning. Pastor Jonathan, thank you for asking me to deliver this sermon today. Well, like we heard, it's still Christmas. It's the first Sunday of Christmas, and it'll be Christmas until this coming Saturday. And then Sunday will be another season called Epiphany. So if you're one who likes to wish people Merry Christmas, like Pastor Jonathan said, we're on the seventh day of Christmas, so you've got 
uh, five more days to go. So I hope your true love gave you seven swans of swimming this morning. Well, now I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I'm good to go. Good to go. How many of you have said this in your work life or even in your home life or with friends? Well, the first time I heard it was years ago when my brother first joined the Air Force. He had a long career in the Air Force, and it became part of his most used vocabulary, and he still says it even to this day. I asked my brother Joe whether he knew of this uh, uh, the phrase's origins, and while he didn't, he did say that it means everything is ready, each individual has done their own preparation, as well as any contributions that are needed for the team. Well, I looked it up because I Google everything, and while it's not entirely certain where it came from, many point to the Marines as having coined this phrase, and um, certainly the Air Force uses it a lot. So it's pretty universally recognized. And in the context of military actions, it's vital that the one who says that they're good to go has checked their list over and over again and completed all that they need to. It's vital that when they say they're good to go, their leader trusts that they are indeed good to go and then proceeds accordingly. When spoken by one who's well-trained and who's proven themselves, good to go can mean life or death and must be words that can be trusted to protect the lives of the team at work and also to protect the nation for whom they're working. Well, we can think of other high-stakes situations where the weight and trustworthiness of these words is vital. So my illustration is the blue angels that fly within about 18 inches of each other. And so you can imagine the choreography, the training, the practice, the fitness of the aircraft, and so on that must be ready for a show. All of these areas must be declared good to go. Well, how about the operating room or a three-alarm fire, or a ferry ride, or a rocket launch, or in my career, the go-live of a new computer system. Even our weekly worship relies on dozens of people doing their assigned jobs. Like, I'm really glad that somebody put a glass of water here today for the person giving the sermon. On Sunday, the pastors in the congregation count on these jobs being done, and mostly they're done quietly and behind the scenes, but the pastors and the whole congregation count on them being good to go before the service starts. Well, the kids will probably uh, uh, understand this, and certainly uh, we parents, when we ask our kids if they have all that they need for school in the morning, they go, yes, mom, I have everything, because of course, they have everything. But we go through the list anyway. Well, how about your homework? Yes, I have it. Or your permission slip, mom, I have it. Well, what about your lunch? Oh, yeah, I better go get my lunch. Did you brush your teeth? Well, no, I gotta go brush my teeth. So while preparation for school is uh, relatively low stakes, um, you know, we wouldn't want our kids to be without lunch, and we don't need to talk about the tooth situation. But in a higher stakes situation, it could be the difference between life and death. Well, after holding this little baby Jesus at his presentation at the temple, 
Simeon is good to go. Simeon has been waiting his whole life for the consolation of Israel, and he was confident of this promise because of the prophetic word in which the consolation was promised. Plus, the Holy Spirit had told him that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah, and you pretty much have to trust the Holy Spirit. But after meeting the infant Messiah, the one that's anointed to be the Savior, Simeon prays and blesses God, basically saying, God, I am good to go. You told me in your word that you would send salvation to all people, certainly to Israel, but also to all people, including the Gentiles, and here he is in my arms, our Savior incarnate. Well, we heard from our first reading today one place in the scriptures where this promise is. Isaiah rejoices that God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. And the nations, which means the Gentiles, will be justified and made blameless. And this is exactly what the baby that he's holding in his arms will do. It's hard to think about what this sweet little baby is going to have to do in about 33 years, but he is going to give Israel and the whole world his righteousness. He's going to take on and destroy the sins of the world and gift his righteousness to all who call on his name. Well, Isaiah is full of these references to what this baby will do. There's a lot of other uh, prophetic books as well. Let's see, there you go. Uh, we can find uh, references to the Messiah in Micah, in Daniel, Ezekiel, Hosea, Jeremiah, and the Psalms, Zechariah. Even as early as Genesis 3.15, God tells the serpent, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Simeon knows each of these prophecies about the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit confirmed to him that the baby in his arms is going to fulfill them. And because he can trust the source and the contents of this promise, because it's scripture, he can confidently say that he is good to go. As an as a old man, he can die in confidence, not just in his own righteousness, but that his people and all people will be able to meet their judgment as righteous people because this little baby will make it so. And the prophet Anna is just as confident, and she begins to preach the Savior's arrival to all who had been waiting for him for so long. The word is alive in Simeon and Anna. I see this all the time when I serve communion to our homebound. Just last week, I served one of our dear ones who can't really speak or hear very well anymore. And in fact, she was quite confused when we sat down. But the second I began the short service of communion in special circumstances, those familiar words, our Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bed, flicked on a switch in her, and she was instantly centered and fully present. And she could speak the familiar words of the confession and the Lord's Prayer. And when our service was over, she spoke with a gentleman at the table about her ancestral home in Sweden. Her daughter was there with her and was amazed, but that's what the word will do over a lifetime. The grass may wither and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So I have a question for you. When you heard that first reading, 
Did you think to yourself, hey, I know these words. I'm going to speak them in a little different format and see if they sound familiar. Lord, now let us, thou thy servant, depart in peace. You can put this up on the, there you go. Lord, now let us, thou thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. Maybe this will jog your memory a little bit. Does this, do you remember this from when you were a kid, this old, using this old hymnal? If you've worshipped in the Lutheran church for very long, you probably remember this old book. Um, so, Justin, uh, do you want to play this other uh, little thing that might jog our memory, too, a little bit? Raise your hand if you know that, if you can remember that. Yeah, a lot of you can. So right before Christmas and Sunday Adult Ed, we walked through our liturgy and why we say what we do and when we say what we do. You can go to the next slide, please. For example, we sing Holy, Holy, Holy and Hosanna in the Highest right before Holy Communion because we are going to meet God the Son in, with, and under the bread and wine. And the prophet Isaiah saw the seraphim sing Holy, Holy, Holy in the presence of the Lord when he was transported to heaven in a vision. And this is when he was given his mission to prophesy, prophesy to Israel about their sin and their judgment of their Babylonian captivity and the promise and fulfillment of their release. But this also foreshadowed the coming of the Messiah who is now in his arms. We sing Hosanna in the highest because this is what people shouted to Jesus when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on his way to the cross. Hosanna meaning, save us, we pray. We sing or say these biblical references because we are about to meet Jesus in Holy Communion. So in older liturgies of the church, after Holy Communion, we would sing these words of Simeon. And in Latin, this part of the um, liturgy is called the nunc dimittis, which means, now let us depart, which is the first words of his um, prayer. Well, why do we say this after Holy Communion? Well, just like Simeon said that now that he'd seen the Messiah and was good to go, we can confidently say it after we've taken the body and blood of Christ. In the word and sacrament of our service, we receive Christ and all of his promises. We've confessed our sin, and he has taken it away and given us his righteousness. We've received faith through hearing the word, We've received forgiveness and strength in the bread and wine or the juice of Holy Communion. And so today, after communion, we're going to sing this liturgy in its place, just like Justin played it for us. Well, 33 years after Simeon held and preached who this little baby is, Jesus will suffer and die for our sins on the cross. The story of his presentation at the temple is a lovely one. And we can picture Simeon and Anna 
marveling at this darling little bundle in their arms. He's probably about this long, about a month old. They marvel about who he is and what his significance is, and they rely on the promises of Scripture to do this. That gives them their certainty. But we can't separate this story from what will happen in 33 years, a story that's not at all sweet, where Jesus will suffer and die on the cross. And Simeon knows that this is going to happen. He tells Mary that her very soul will be pierced, and it will be. But the really good news is that after his death comes his resurrection, and this secures our ability to depart in the peace that passes all understanding. Just like he did for Simeon and Anna, Jesus secures our consolation. He secures our salvation. He secures our assurance to go about our daily lives, living in the freedom of these promises. So today and every Sunday, we can confidently say, now let us depart in peace according to your word. We are good to go. Thanks be to God.